Hey everybody, this is Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime, and it is Royal Rumble week. And to some of you, you just said, so? And to others of you, you were like, let's get it on. Well, here's the thing. I want to, to get back into things, and I know you've heard me say this time and time again. I think that I figured out what I want to do, how I want to do it. Um, many of you have known that I've struggled since July, probably with figuring out the four different podcasts in the Overtime Network and how I was going to get them done. So I think I've come up with a solution to that. So that is where we stand. So I wanted to talk about something that was extremely interesting to me and it actually all started back on January 11th now I know you're thinking January 11th it's the 24th Sam come on well you know I've been behind and I do want to talk about it so if you read the title of this episode you kind of already know you may have said I'm going to give this episode a minute or two and see what Sam has to say about this, and see if it's interesting, if there's anything new, and if not, then I'm skipping this one. Well, I hope to give you some different thoughts on the minor. WWE was served with MLW's lawsuit, and when I first saw this on numerous different websites, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I'll just be extremely honest with you. Court Byer, who is MLW's CEO, used to be a writer for WWE. If you hear him in any interviews or media press conferences or, or anything like that, he's not real high on the WWE. So, I take some of that with a grain of salt. And See, Fightful with uh, Sean Ross Sapp, I believe he was actually the first one to report this. And um, MLW had a statement on January 11th. And I think the reason why it caught my attention was AEW is having so much success doing their own thing yes I know if you're a WWE mark you're going to say well they're not doing very well in going up uh, against WWE they're losing they're, they're not getting as many viewers and then of course if you're an AEW mark you come back at the WWE fans and you say, well, yeah, we're beating you in the, the demo and blah, 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 blah. That's not really how I look at it. I've told you guys before, I believe the more the merrier. There are a lot of different wrestling promotions out there that give people different types of wrestling because people like different kinds of wrestling. And so, I think you really 
got to figure out what you like, or do you like a little bit of everything, which is me. So, I feel like AEW is having some success in creating a different brand. After watching GCW, uh, The World, tonight, where they went to the Hammerstein Ballroom, I believe, and I, I, I tweeted this out, I believe they are strong third. Yeah, yeah, I know some of you are going to come after me and say, no, no, it's New Japan. Not in the United States, it's not. Yes, there are hardcore fans that are all about New Japan, but most wrestling fans in the United States, hardcore or not, don't know the wrestlers in New Japan and honestly don't care. Very few of them, casual wrestling fans, to I would say average wrestling fans, know the Americans or the British stars that are in New Japan, let alone the Japanese wrestlers. Um, Yes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody went to New Japan, and I guess you can say the Good Brothers, AJ Styles and Finn Balor to a certain extent, Adam Cole, went over there, made their mark, but it wasn't until they came over here and went to TNA or or uh, Ring of Honor or were on the independent circuit that they also gathered a following that when they went back to New Japan over and over, then more and more people followed them there. So until New Japan really makes a push into the United States, I don't see them being a third brand here. Now, in the world, I'm not going to argue with you, but I do believe the third brand, as of tonight, I believe is GCW. I believe Brett Lauderdale has did an excellent job. And then I think dropping down to fourth is Impact Wrestling. Fifth, you can argue about, and I'm not going to. But when I look at what these four companies, WWE, AEW, GCW, and Impact Wrestling have did and accomplished over the last two or three years, and really making a push into different markets, whether it be streaming markets, whether it be, you know, on Fight TV, um, doing pay-per-views, doing premium live events, whether um, it be, you know, getting better TV deals, doesn't matter. I feel like these four have made a strong push. So when I saw that MLW was suing WWE, I was just like, for what? What can they be suing WWE about? And then when I read that it was over alleged attempts to monopolize the wrestling market and undermine the competition by interfering with MLW's contracts and business prospects. I was like, seriously? What? What? 
what are we doing here? They're trying to monopolize the wrestling market. The wrestling market for the first time in 20 to 30 years is finally opening up and we're going to sue them because they're monopolizing it. No, 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 no. Well, then I started digging a little bit more and WWE was actually served on January 14th according to the court records. Now, they have 21 days to respond to this filing that that MLW has made. So this puts it, I don't know, first, second week of February. Now, they've already said they're going to schedule a case management meeting for April 12th. So I guess it doesn't really matter what WWE responds back. Which they're probably going to respond, this has no merit, drop it. And MLW is going to say no, and they're going to go to mediation. So, my first thought was, does MLW have the money to fight WWE? Because we all know how WWE likes to do in their court cases. They like to string them out so that whoever is suing them has to pay their lawyers over and over and over throughout all these stupid little hearings and discoveries and depositions and all this, and they drag it out so that a little guy like MLW uses a lot of money to fight them. But then we also know that a lot of times WWE just settles things. They throw some money at it to try to make it go away. And I wondered which one MLW was going to do. And I started looking. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a waste of time. But once I started really looking at what their allegations were, then... I could kind of see where MLW was coming. See, MLW uh, announced in early 2021, almost a year ago, that they were in talks with Vice to air MLW programs. And I remember this because I was getting ready to start up the Overtime Network, and I was drawing up plans for what I wanted the site to look like. And I haven't got it completely to look like what I imagined a year ago, but one of the things that I wanted was a calendar. A calendar that someone could click on and go and and say, well, on January 24th, what is there that I can watch tonight? Is there a pay-per-view that I need to buy? Is there a DVR setting I need to set? Um, Do I need to stream something? Do I need to be on YouTube? What do I need to do if I want to watch wrestling tonight? But I also wanted a calendar where someone could say, on April 2nd and 3rd, I'm going to start my vacation. And it's going to go until April the 9th. Is there anything going on in the country that I could go to? 
And they could go to that calendar and say, oh, it's the week after WrestleMania. I'm going to move my vacation back a week and go to WrestleMania week in Dallas. I'm going to go to the Collective. I'm going to go to GCW. I'm going to go see Joey Janela's uh, show. I'm going to go see this, that, and the other. So um, I remember, and I still have it somewhere here in my office, I penciled in MLW on Vice. And then it kind of just went away, and I didn't realize why. In these court documents, it talks about how a then-WWE executive went and warned Vice that Vince McMahon was pissed off. That Vice was even talking to MLW, and that they might sign a contract with them, and that they didn't want them to air any kind of programs. And they then told Vice that they probably should stop working with MLW. Now, the Vice executive that WWE talked to said, hey, this is illegal for you guys to tell us this. And it's actually an antitrust violation. The WWE executive said, look, I can't control Vince McMahon. If he's going to get mad and pull stuff from you guys, I can't help it. Well, you may be saying pull stuff. What are you talking about? Well, you've got to remember Dark Side of the Ring is on Vice. Vice receives the Dark Side of the Ring. Jason and Evan talk to people in the WWE about a lot of those episodes, what they remember, um, and they appear in those episodes, or they appear on background. They also um, did a, uh, Vice did, a two-hour long biography series where they did two hours on Steve Austin. They did two hours on um, Ultimate Warrior, two hours on uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Who else did they do them on? They did six of them. They did the half an hour, um, I believe it was eight episodes, with uh, Top Dollar, AJ, um, where he went and went with WWE Legends to search for memorabilia to put in the WWE warehouse slash museum that they say they're going to build. Remember they went to look for Kane's mask and all that. All of those aired on, on Vice and A&E and into that network. And if they were going to continue working with MLW, Vince was going to cut all that off. So that's a pretty good threat. But 
like the vice executive said, it's against the law. So, Court Byer come out, and when he entered these court documents in, and, and they got it on the docket, and they got the case management meeting and everything, he put out a statement saying, I think we speak for the rest of the professional wrestling world when we say this anti-competitive behavior has to stop. Well, I totally agree with him. I think most fans do. Whether you're a WWE fan, whether you're a New Japan fan, whether you're an AEW fan, we want to see all of this garbage stopped. So many fans have really had their eyes opened this year by seeing what a or excuse me what WWE did in 2019-2020 when AEW came on the scene and they started signing people and they made their first big signing with Chris Jericho WWE took that as shots fired, and they started raising their wrestlers' contracts, paying them more money. Some of them negotiated days off. Some of them negotiated different travel options and things like that. And this was seen as really good in the business because wrestlers were getting going to get their salaries upped a little bit. But then what we saw was WWE going through basically signing anybody that they thought had talent and stockpiling them down in the Performance Center, NXT, and in 205, and somewhat on the main roster. They could afford to do this. And remember, they had two separate touring schedules plus the Performance Center, plus the NXT TV, and so they had more than enough room to do it, and they they felt like they were earning enough money. Well, what then happened was the pandemic. We hit March of 2020. They all had to move into the PC, They brought Nick Khan in later that year, who was a financial cutting wizard, and he realized, why do we have 200 wrestlers, 250 wrestlers, what stage are they at? And no one could answer him. And he was like, look... When you bring someone in for the first six months, they need to be paid this. When they're, you know, six months to two years into their career, if they're at this level, they need to be paid this. If they're at this level, then they get paid this. If they're at, you know, the top level, they get paid this. When they're, you know, two years to ten years, they get paid this. And if they're at a second tier level, you know, he wanted to know where they were at in their careers, and a lot of them couldn't be answered. And that's led to a lot of the releases that we've seen over the last year. 84 people getting released by WWE last year alone because of 
the anti-competitive behavior that Court Byron's talking about. So, for years, WWE has hurt us professional wrestling fans. Do I blame them? No. I probably would have done the same exact thing. But it did hurt the professional wrestling fans because there was so much talent in WWE, we weren't getting to see it. You were maybe getting to see someone perform on the main roster for five minutes. Whereas now they've been released and we're getting to see 20-minute matches by them every single week. Or they're making more money now. Instead of sitting at home, you know, they're getting to travel the United States and do what they love. So that's the thing. The second complaint that they had was that MLW was in line for a major streaming deal with Tubi. Well, Tubi is owned by Fox. And of course, Fox is the the Friday night network provider of WWE. So again, WWE put a stop to it saying, you know, we're with Peacock right now, but eventually that's going to run out here in about three and a half years. What if we want to put it on Tubi and you've already got MLW? So, by filing this lawsuit, MLW is wanting money that they could have gotten from Vice, from Tubi, if WWE wouldn't have stepped in. That's what they're asking for. They're asking WWE to pay them that money that they would have gotten from those deals, plus interest, plus their lawyer fees. And then they want a court order saying that WWE will stop interfering interfering with them in the future. Now, of course, WWE says that they believe these claims have no merit and they intend to vigorously defend themselves. Well, I don't blame them. But personally, I'm interested to see if MLW can touch them. I like MLW. I am not enjoying MLW Azteca. And that's a different podcast episode. But I have enjoyed MLW for two years now. Somebody wrote me in um, June. Well, I guess it will be two years. Wrote me in June of 2020 and said, you've got to start watching MLW. Just so happened, I think the very first episode that I tuned in for, that I caught, or that I found, or whatever, had TJP on it, and um, I want to say that he was wrestling low-key, but don't hold me to that. He may have been wrestling Myron Reed, but I really enjoyed MLW. I enjoyed the dynasty with Richard Holiday and Alex Alexander Hammerstone. I enjoyed um, Tom Filthy Tom Lawler's T 
Team Filthy, I I really got into to that. And I put it over on this podcast. Some of you got to hear me talking about that. So I would have liked to have saw what they wanted to put on Vice. Was it just their weekly TV show? Or was it some of the other things that they put on YouTube, on their YouTube channel, such as Alicia Toots' interviews that she does? As um, her and another reporter right now are in a race to discover stories, and that is one of the storylines of the programs. So I, I would like to see that expanded. If they could do some of that, also on Vice, they would have had a winner. Or if they could have been like AEW and put their main weekly show on Vice, but left and developed some of this other stuff for YouTube. It would have been nice. Here's my thing. I guess I would have liked to been there the day that someone walked in and explained to Vince McMahon what MLW was doing. And what did they say? Did they build it up that Court Bar is going after us? Or did they legitimately tell Vince McMahon, this is a part-time program, that has less than 20 wrestlers on full-time contracts. Most of these wrestlers wrestle elsewhere all the time. And MLW does a set of tapings. It's a one-hour show once a week on YouTube. that They're wanting to move to Vice. I want to know if they explained it to him like that. Because if I think, I think if they would have explained it to him like that, he would have said so. Who cares? I don't think Vince McMahon would have been the least bit worried about it. I don't think he would have been pissed. I don't think he would have been mad. But if they told him that it was Court Byer trying to, to, you know, get into WWE stronghold and went after it like that, then that's a different story. Because I don't understand why WWE would be afraid of a little 60-minute wrestling program. But maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm interested to see what happens here. I think there's going to be a settlement, and we're going to hear about it in March, probably late March, when everybody else is paying attention to the road to WrestleMania. And really couldn't care less about this. But, like I said, it was interesting to me. I wanted to make an episode on it so that you would understand it. And it would help me understand it a little bit better. Let me know what you guys think. If you guys know, if you have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, you guys can uh, tweet at me, Pro Overtime. It's two O's, Pro Overtime. Or you can write me at... Pro Wrestling OT at gmail.com. I'll talk to you soon, and hopefully, I'll see you somewhere down the road.